so what are you up to these days? One thing I'll say about you is that you always seem to find where to be and where the next hottest thing is going. you like a cat with nine lives. Thank you. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip, and I want to ask you, what is your adaptability quotient? I'll see you then. I guess I should have been used to it by then. Late night run-ins at the local 24-hour everything store back at your hometown. What do you expect? You see, the situation that I talked about on the A part, I ran into an old high school uh, classmate, and I knew they didn't. I, well, I hoped that they weren't trying to give me a backhanded compliment, but it struck me kind of funny. And um, back at that time, people were valued for for being very loyal and having a long uh, relationship with their jobs and, and who they were in the community. And the fact that I was willing to and doing lots of different things uh, was frowned upon. Uh, in previous podcasts, I've even talked about how my mom used to always try to warn me against being a jack of all trades and a master of none. And um, I talked about, it's in the podcast called um, The Quest of, of the Hedge Fox. I talked about even back then, we were starting to learn that the society was requiring a morphing of two uh, opposite ways of approaching our world. That of the hedgehog, which would be a specialist, dig down deep and know one thing very well. And a fox, which would be a person who was a generalist who knew a lot of stuff and was really good and clever at putting those things together to move quickly, come up with innovative things. And thus, uh, the two were needed as we gained all of this information uh, and this ability to transport it almost immediately through digital means and the Internet. And so I talked about that. Well, I've also talked about uh, emotional and social intelligence. Um, but today I'm going to talk about something else that I, I want to let you guys know because there is a great wisdom in it and it is what's happening right now. We are deluged with a lot of information that comes up. And I, if you've listened to this podcast for any time, you've heard me say from time to time one of my favorite quotes by E.O. Wilson that talks about us coming to the point where we will have so much information that people will be starving for wisdom and that only those people who are able to use uh, synthesis between disparate and various information to make sense of it in a contextual way with a critical, co complex, critical understanding are going to be the people who succeed. Now, that has already happened and it's continuing to happen. And so now we're in a situation where we have moved beyond the IQ, the traditional intelligence quotient. Then we moved into, so we moved from 
understanding things and facts and calculations, numbers and theories and uh, relations to uh, elemental things. We, we, we learned how to be very clever and intelligent when it came to understanding our surroundings. Then we moved toward, in the 1990s, there was a Daniel Kahneman, and I've talked about this as well in many other podcasts, uh, Daniel Kahneman started looking at another quotient with regards to intelligence, and that was the emotional quotient or the EQ. And that went on to show us how to deal with people and ourselves from an emotional level. And that was really good. And it took us all the way. You know, it has enjoyed a 20 plus, 30, almost 30 plus year um, reign of what we, we look for so much so that we make sure that we are evaluating our emotions. And then even with the social intelligence of that, that I've talked about as well. Well, I want to talk to you today about something that is so important that I almost called what I wanted to say, and I might still say that, you know, that this is, I'll just say it. When I think about it, I think of Hunger Games. And I'm like, we live in a society that where Hunger Games was just the beginning. I mean, it was like a foreshadowing of what you need to do. Now, I'm not saying that you'll die on a little small secluded island where you got to fight to the death. You know, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that this is a time where we've we've come full circle. Uh, Back in the day, our ancestors had uh, a nomadic lifestyle where they lived off of the land and they moved, and they were herders, and this is even before they were agricultural. They were, excuse me, they were hunter-gatherers, and they did not have the tools uh, that we have today. So they had to uh, live in constant understanding of their environment and all of the changes that were happening. They lived out in the open, along with all of the lions, the hyenas, the uh, hippos, rhinoceros, all of the animals under the stars. And thus, they had to become highly adaptable. Well, as we moved from the hunter-gatherer to the nomadic on to the agricultural, then the industrial, now the technical, we find ourselves right back where we started. And this time, it's not lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. No, this time it is change. Change has got us on the run. Now, we always knew that change was all there really was, but now change is taking lives and taking livelihoods left and right. You see, we're moving faster. Uh, Time is compressing. You know, it's a construct anyway, but time is compressing and uh, organizations Countries and individuals are being left in uh, in its wake in these wastelands of deserts where they are either forced to finally adapt or die. All right. So the adaptability quotient or AQ is something that uh, has been getting great murmurings since about nine uh, uh, to uh, twenty the twenty tens. 
really kind of like coming into focus around 2015 and now onward, where companies were forced to start being more agile and uh, adaptable. They started looking at, you know, uh, things they could learn from the just-in-time inventory systems. Then they moved to Six Sigma. Then they moved to logistics and supply chain management. And then they were forced to just admit they needed to become more adaptable. But it wasn't just becoming adaptable. It was they needed to find people who had a high adaptability quotient, a high IQ or AQ. And so that's who they started to look for. Now, I want to highlight um, someone here. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched this movie, Catch Me If You Can, but if you've heard of it, it's uh, based loosely on the life of a man, Frank Abagnale, who at the age of 16 ran away from home and lived a crazy life uh, for 10 years where he did end up doing some time in prison, but he was able to travel the uh, world without a passport. He, he was able to live high on the hog off of other people's money. And he was um, very, um, how can I say this? Because now that I have invested time in, in listening to his story from his mouth, I can't say he's a genius because he says he wasn't a genius, but I will say he was ingenious. You see, what Frank Abagnale has and what the world is needing is a high AQ. He has a high adaptability quotient. When you talk to him, he says he was simply a kid trying to survive. He said that he would just observe and then act. And because he was so young, he didn't factor in risk. You know, he was just able to adapt to the changing surroundings. He would make an observation. He knew he was hungry. Then he would say, okay, if I want this, then I need to do that. And then he would act on it. But in hindsight, we now know that he had some major components that made him have a high adaptability quotient. And the wonderful thing about this is like learning how to be smarter, uh, learning how to be uh, more diplomatic with regards to emotions, you can also learn adaptability. Now, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because any person uh, in today's society who is not mentally challenged and is uh, deemed viable or able-bodied and old enough to work and have a livelihood, this is what this is what our world is turning into. And not only just in work, but in the way we interact with each other, how we love, how we build our families and everything. You know, see, this, this goes way beyond just trying to find another cool way of being. This has already started to happen. And they started noticing the numbers around the turn of the century where they started looking and seeing that gone were the days where you had people who would stay at one job for uh, more 
been 10 years. Gone was the retirement with the gold watch. Gone was the the pension from the one job that you had had for 20 plus years. And they found that this number started, kept shrinking to the point now that if you make it to five years at one company, it's now frowned upon. And people are like, well, why aren't you moving in and developing a broader range of skills? <laughs> and this has happened in one short generation where we've made this switch. Okay. So with this adaptability quotient, I'm going to tell you this right off the bat. It goes way beyond just having a quick response to uh, how things change or being able to even react, you know. It's it's not about somebody jumping out in front of you and you deciding in the flash whether to kill them or to save them, you know. So it's it's not about response time. No, this has to do with changing the 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 way you act and and your entire being. It means becoming something new. Uh, there is this book and I, I have not read it, so I'm, I'm not going to list it, but, um, I just like the title and I have said, I've put it on my list. Um, but it's called the episodic career. And, uh, this lady talks about in our lifetimes that we're going to have numerous careers. And now that I'm looking at adaptability quotients and strengthening mine even more, I'm starting to understand that way better. You see, I'm actually working on something for people over 50 because now people over 50 are realizing that they have anywhere from 20 to 30 more years left in the workforce. Yes. And they're trying to stay in the same jobs, but a lot of the jobs are not going to be there much longer or have left. So what do you do when you got 20 plus years experience in a job that can be automated or there's no need for it anymore? Um, or there's somebody who can do it faster, better, and for a fraction of what you made because you were doing it for so long. So there are, there are a lot of different reasons why I want to you know, put this in front of you and in case you didn't know that the adaptability quotient is the new IQ. It is what the world is revolving around. And so this is the wisdom smack to get you up to date. So let's dig into it a little bit, okay? So the idea of it is that is that you have to become belief flexible. Yeah, you have to be able to abandon any kind of rigid understanding of how you believe your life and your surroundings should work. So much so that there are studies now that are looking at uh, AQs on different levels. They're looking at AQs for countries and grading countries on their AQs, for organizations, and for individuals. They're hypothesizing that in the next 10 years, they will do away with IQ tests like SATs and ACTs, and instead they will give AQ tests to see how adaptable people are. And I read something on an article that I'm going to I'm going to put the link in because I just thought it was a cool article uh, where the the writer hypothesized and get, did a cute little vignette at the front of it where she um, 
told of a high school student who went by her local bodega to get a neural neural stimulation pill that she's going to take tomorrow at 10 a.m. when she sits down to take her AQ test because she's got to do well on it. Because if she does well on that test, then she's going to get a job with a company who is willing to invest in her for the long run to have ongoing training every one to six months for as long as she can prove that she can continue to grow her adaptability to change with the changing times. Or she'll be relegated to taking gig jobs um, that have a lower um, barrier to entry and everybody gets scrapping for. And, you know, so I I liked the way she put that. And like I said, I'm going to drop that link in there. Actually, the the title of it is... um, (laughs) This is the title, you guys. Screw emotional intelligence. Here's the real key to the future of work. And so I'll I'll put that in there. But it's really, and it's it's a short read, but it's really nice. I like it. So um, with this, there are some things that we have to look at. And that is, how flexible are you in changing your belief systems? Let's talk a little bit about AQs when it comes to not necessarily countries, but cultures. So whereas you have one culture who might very well embrace automation because they believe that automation is just a rite of passage and that we shouldn't hold on to things for the sake of, meaning that they have a lower nostalgia point than another country. And then you have the the opposite country who fights innovation because they are used to the way things should be. And there is a sense of righteous indignation of what is fair and what is not because those jobs are going away. That's a problem. And believe it or not, that AQ is happening right now um, where you have some countries that are bring on the automation. You know, we'll retrain and and retraining is not simply the answer. That's not the answer. But what they're saying is, is they don't have a problem with it because their culture um, embraces change. Whereas and they don't have this type of sense of it is owed to me to keep this one type of job the rest of my life, you know. So and then they relegate that um, to just how they work, they, you know, th- that's how they are. And it's not, and you notice it has really nothing to do with the technology. It has everything to do with the sign of the times. You notice I've, if you, like I said, if you've been listening to my podcast, I've been talking about the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times. I've talked about um, nostalgia, the folly of nostalgia. I've talked about emotional intelligence, social intelligence, and some of these other things because this is real world. Um, As a person who works for myself, I'm out here every day. If I don't work and figure it out, I don't eat. And I've got grown people's bills and there's this income coming in, just me. And so I am forced to get it right. And yeah, there are a lot of times I suffer when I don't get it right. But it's kind of like the sharks in the water. If they don't keep moving, they die. And I'm not equating me or you or even our society to having to be a shark. But what I am saying, we are full circle where we are back to 
a new way of hunter-gatherer and dealing with all the changes of our environment, that there is no buffer between the two. So let me continue to talk a little bit more about this. Okay, so there are some things that you can start to work on to develop a higher adaptability quotient because there are some people that are just born with higher adaptabilities than others. Really and truly, there really are. So some of the things that you can do is to seek to always be innovative. Don't just take something as someone said, this is how you do it, so this is how it must be. No, become innovative, become ingenious, and become evolutionary. Look and see if there is a way that you can move this forward. Uh, Like I said before, in previous podcasts, I've even talked about how companies who have had a long-term success rate tend to show the, excuse me, the direction that they take excuse me, you guys, that they take their um, their products and their innovations in, and that is from complex to simple. And then once they move to the simplest t- uh, iteration, then they move it to the next innovative uh, layer that they can get it to. So they are always shortening the distance between you and the product. All right. So that's just an example. Uh, Another thing is, is that when you are looking at becoming this uh, innovative person, look to see how you can um, bridge and synchronize new things together. Now, I might go into this in in a different podcast, but when I have been searching and looking for how the, um, in, um, the inventors of today work, what they do is instead of trying to create something that's never been done, they use what is called a perimeter approach. So they take different things that are established and they go to the outer edges of it and they look for gaps or opportunities. And once they've identified those opportunities, then it's kind of like those connect blocks. They start connecting different uh, niches or industries together to create something new to solve a problem. One of the things that I remember was um, Google about 10 years ago. They had this um, this paper that they put out and it was called the zero sum approach or zero approach or something like that. It's no longer there. Trust me, I tried to look for it so I could uh, post it here. But it talked about how the world was going to be in the next 10 years. And here we are, they were right. And they talked about the the consumer with regards to people buying from you. They said that most people would derive their income from some form of doing work on the internet. And because of that, you would have to become more aware of what it would, what the requirements would be for you to be online. And they talked about how the customer was going to become more savvy. They were going to vet you and look at you before they um, wanted to deal with you. And this is the big part that they said they did not use the word adaptability quotient, but that's what they were saying. They said what you would need to do 
is you would need to find an innovative approach to get in front of the customer before they knew they needed you. And at that time, they were really starting to talk about um, retargeting, uh, pixelations, and those types of things. And those are just fancy words for saying, uh, I can digitally uh, track you so that if you come to my page, when you leave, it's kind of like you're leaving with iridescent uh, paint on your feet so that I can see everywhere you go. And when you stop, I can and and look at something else. I can put an ad in front of you and say, "Hey, I'm here whenever you're ready," or something like that. It used to, and when it when it first came out, it was freaking people out. You know, now people are familiar with the predictive programming of ads and those types of things. But they were talking about this ten years ago, right around the time when uh, we were making this shift from just knowing that we needed to get really good at our people skills to now understanding that we were in a time where things move so fast that we were going to need people who could serpentine, bob and weave and all that kind of stuff. Now, you might be saying, but what does this have to do with me? Child, trust me, it's got everything to do with you. And the reason why I say that is because nowadays it is to the point where the behaviors that you've honed for decades are going to become obsolete in a few short years. Seriously. And that is why I'm talking about not being so rigid in what you believe your world is. Being okay with increasing your risk factors. Um, I have a a special podcast that I'm going to be putting out where I had a wonderful conversation with John Braddock, the the author of A A Spy's Guide to Thinking, uh, Strategy, and now his newest one, Risk. That's going to be coming out um, within the next few days. I'm very excited about it. And he was even talking about how to do calculated risk and how needful it is for us to uh, survive in a world where there are so many opportunities for things to go awry and to change. And that's what's happening right now, you guys. That's what's happening. One of the, the most wonderful things I think they could have ever done to help people today is this, this fancy word, is to let us know about this fancy word called neuroplasticity. And what that means, that's a fancy word for saying that they used to believe that when we hit like 25, our brains were set, that that's what we were going to have. They even thought that we had uh, deterioration across the board once you got to a certain age. What they have now found is that our brains continue to grow. You continue to get etchings and indentations when you do rituals and when you do rote behaviors and habits and learn new things, and you never stop growing in your brain um, unless you choose to. And the thing with this adaptability quotient is that it requires this of you. It requires that you be loosely affiliated (laughs) with behaviors that no longer serve you. Now, let me talk to you real quick about uh, something that uh, I think people need to start taking a look at. And in this new world of adaptability, AQ instead of IQ or even EQ, 
they're going to be looking at those people who have two different types of adaptabilities. There is this book that I've talked about before, and I'm going to talk about it real quick here, and it's called Play Bigger. And in this book, the main premise is talking about people who are companies who become what they would call category kings, meaning that they run it. You know, if you're looking at Coke and Pepsi or you're looking at um, Uber and Lyft or, um, you know, the big players who is always sitting at the top and and not really giving that up. What they talk about is the same thing that we're talking about here is that the category players what they call category kings, are able to have this, and they don't say this word, but this is what they're saying. They are always able to have a high AQ. They have uh, showcased companies like Birdseye and Corning, uh, you know, and IBM, um, and they talk about them. But this is the thing that I really wanted to bring out this time about this book. They talk, they they then started talking about specific people. They so they brought it down to the person level. And they said the successful person running a category king or fueling it is a person who is either a category designer, meaning they design that category and own that category, or they are a harvester, meaning that they know how to reap the harvest of what that category has to give. And in the book, they uh, highlighted Steve Jobs and Tim Cook. And they talked about how Steve Jobs is a designer and Tim, Tim Cook is a harvester. And they said that if you have those two people, you'll always be able to for lack of a better term, be high in your adaptability quotient. Now, there have been other terms for it where you got visionary and in a, um, um, a, a visionary and uh, implementer, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. But for the most part, I want you guys to understand that even if you don't believe it, it's still coming. That is why I am telling you that in today's society, just like the name of that book, you have got to play bigger. You have got to learn how to become adaptable, be more inventive, ingenious, and evolutionary. Don't have rigid ideals and beliefs about what you should do and be. You have got to learn that times are changing and that's what's required of all of us. We've got to be highly adaptable. So guess what? Yep. My time is up and I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. So don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And please continue to support us by using our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.